0: Get it. Go Bowie. Brown says, get that India, Big boy. Oh.
1: Oh. Yeah. Call an ambulance. Maybe call a freak. Oh, what a shot! What a shot! Campbell killer! Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Tip Sheet Podcast. As always, I'm your host, John, also known as 4020. Joining me for, well, technically it's the penultimate round for the NRL, but uh, uh, the sort of last couple of rounds of action here in Flag Cup uh, NRLW NRL was my good mate 60s. I got there, sorry, there was a, almost a frog in my mouth. Uh, but yeah, we've got a fair bit of action this weekend, big fella. Uh, a lot on the line still, some way, somehow, uh, but the Eels are still holding in there across a couple of grades. How are you feeling ahead of the action?
0: Well, mate, I don't know whether it's the beautiful sunny day that we've got today, but I'm in an optimistic mood and I want to keep it that way. (laughs) And we'll try and maintain that going through today's podcast. And just while we do uh, a quick shout out as well to our sponsors, Big Swing Golf, North Mead, and Star Partners Real Estate, Auburn, Norellin and Parramatta. And also I have to uh, make a correction on when we are appearing in Parramatta Leagues Club. Uh, on the news podcast earlier this week, I said we were uh, in the post-match for the uh, Eels Roosters home game. We are actually doing a pre-game appearance in Parramatta Leagues Club. Please note we're on from about 4.30 p.m. in Jack's Bar and Grill. And here's the the, the big news with that. We've got Eels legend Steve Eller as our guest. And it's pretty hard to top Steve as a guest and uh, he, he was, look, one of the, the favourite times that we had him as a guest was when the Eels beat the Cowboys in last year's grand final qualifier. And, it, look, he was great to spend time with in Jack's Bar and Grill before we attempted to record with him. But the things, of course, got very very chaotic that night and we, we just couldn't get the uh, recorded podcast done in Jack's because there was too much partying that was going on in there to be able to get a podcast recorded. Mm-hmm. But he is absolutely one of our favourites. We've had him uh, a few times there as our guests, and he, he never fails to uh, deliver, giving us great stories. Um, he's so accommodating with the fans, with, um, you know, signing things for them, having photos, having a bit of a chat. So uh, if you are in a position that you can get down to the club early, 4.30 p.m. It, it's on at a time so that people can get there to the Curtain Razor match, which kicks off at 5.30. So, once again, Jack's Bar and Grill from 4.30 p.m. onwards, we're there with Steve Ellis, special guest.
1: Yes, and if you can get out to, well, not so much our show, but that Curtain raiser game, you're in for a treat this week, which we're going to get to shortly. Uh, but there is plenty of reason if you can knock off work a, a tad early to get out there to Combank and watch the New South Wales Cup running around. But before we get to that game, 60s, let's start with the Jersey Flag, who will kick off at 3 o'clock p.m. on Saturday. They're out at one of their old stomping grounds, Ringrose Park, a.k.a. Wenty. Uh, and they're taking on the latter-leading Sydney Roosters. And the uh, Eels, still very much in the hunt here for the uh, spot in the finals, in the top five. Uh, and this is probably the pivotal round because... I believe Melbourne take on the Panthers this week as well, if I'm not mistaken, in this grade. I'll have a quick double check there. Uh, so these are the two results that will essentially decide whether the Eels can make a run. Yeah, it is Storm v. Panthers uh, down in Gotchas Paddock in Victoria. Uh, so I think it's third place for the Panthers here. Just double check that as well. Lots of double checking, dotting of eyes. Yeah, Panthers in third place. So uh, this is the important round. Obviously got to win next week as well, but... Winning this week and having the Panthers knock off the Melbourne Storm means that the Eels control their own destiny. And uh, they will take on the Panthers next week, actually. Uh, So there's a bit of crossover across the two rounds. But they're taking on a very, very good Rooster team that they pushed right to the edge last time they met a couple of weeks ago. And they line up like this for the Blue and Gold with Arpa Tweedle at fullback. You've got Matty Komalafi and Ethan Martin on the wings. And then in the centres, you've got uh, Samuel Oizu and Will Latu. Uh, no Richard Penasini this week. He's doing other duties. In the halves, Blaze Tolongi returns in a timely manner to take over from Joshua Lynn in the halves. He'll partner Ethan Sanders, who is the halfback. Front row is Brock Parker and Tony Mattelli as the bookends. Nick Linares shifts from lock forward to dummy half-sixties. That are uh, very versatile player in the team there indeed. And then on the edge, you've got Jock Brazil as captain. Max Tupo on the other side. I think Brazil lines up on the left. Tupo on the right and then Saxon Pryke comes into the starting team with uh, Nick Linares making that shift. On the interchange, Jacob Davis is the dummy half utility. Noah Reid, Aras Namva, and Lance Fuluma round out the rotation players. Lockie Blackburn is the 18th man. And yeah, uh, 3 o'clock out at 20. We plan to be there, 60s, unless something crazy happens. Uh, and we're real keen to see how they take on the Roosters here. But yeah, season on the line. A team that is been, has been the best uh, across the course of the competition, but the one that the Eels have actually challenged pretty well.
0: Yes, it was a great game um, out at uh, St Mary's only about a month ago. At, at the well, couldn't yeah, it was a month ago.
1: It was a very short turnaround. Yeah, it, was, it wasn't that long ago.
0: And the Eels took it to the Roosters that day and led ten nil early on in the game and. Looked for all money as if it was going to be a real battle for the Roosters to get that victory, and and, and yes, it still was a battle, and it was only a couple of errors that the Eels made in yardage with uh, turnovers of possession that led to the Roosters getting home with uh, with a victory. There, it was uh, one: the ball was dropped in a in a carry, and the Roosters picked it up and and scored straight away, and the other one. Uh, again, the, the ball was lost in a hit-up and it was uh, the Roosters, I think, scored about three plays later, three play the balls later. So that's how crucial that lost possession was in the game. And apart from that, you had the Roosters, who are a big physical team. They, I would suggest they are an older team. That they, they would be right at the cusp of, of being 21, a lot of the players. And they are the minor premiers in this grade. They're the standout team, the, the absolute benchmark. So, for a team that on that day was filled with plenty of the SG ball players to really take it to them, and, and believe me, the Eels look decidedly smaller, they look decidedly younger out there. But boy, did they acquit themselves well. It was a terrific game of football to watch. It really was. And it was... I, I would like to think this week that the Eels can get the win because I think they can do some damage in finals football. And I know the players believe that also, that they can do some damage in finals football. For us, I'm looking forward to actually being there, mate. I mean, the... The, the draw with the Jersey flag has been horrendous to try to actually get out to the number of games that we would normally like to be at and to be able to pro- provide live blogs of. Mm-hmm. Um, and this week, what do you know, we haven't got any clashes and they're nice and local as well. So uh, we're not having, having to travel away. We're, you know, short distance to be able to get there, cover it. Uh, we will provide a blog this week on of that for people who can't get to Ring Rose. But if you can, I highly uh, encourage you to do so because you're going to see a lot of uh, good prospects in the Parramatta team running around. And we know that with the Eels' first-grade roster looking as skinny as it is at this stage in terms of the depth chart, these are the players, the sorts of players that... The eels are going to be looking at in their future, and there are some genuine prospects in that team. So, um, yeah, really encourage people to get out there and enjoy it. And if you can't get out there, yeah, follow what happens on TCT.
1: Yes, indeed. And if you noticed, uh, anyone that's been playing along this season with the uh, or since the SG Ball players were promoted, there's a lot of missing players from that flag team 60s, and that's because they're playing in the South Wales Cup this week. So very exciting. Uh, addition of talent uh, to the Cup team on Friday night as a curtain raiser of the first grade. And it, it's an addition of talent to a team that's already pretty much loaded up with young guys too. So a lot happening here for the Parramatta Eagles. And we start... Yeah,
0: and uh, just before you run through that team list, the one thing I wanted to mention when you look at that flag list is um, even though they've lost the players that you're talking about that have been elevated... I look at the players that they've got on the bench and I go, well, that's a measure of, I guess, the opposite of what the NRL team are facing Mm. in that there's been players that they've lost to elevation to New South Wales Cup and then they've got players that can't get their way into the team. And, And let me just quickly mention this. Jacob Davis, a dummy half, has been playing dummy half in New South Wales Cup and he's coming off the bench, off the interchange bench in this game. Noah Reed has even had a game in New South Wales Cup. Saxon Prank's only
1: into the starting team by virtue of Nick Linars getting shifted this week. And yes. Saxon's a tremendous young player in his own right. So you
0: know, yep. been... Lockie Lockie Blackburn, who's the eighteen, was playing New South Wales Cup last week. And um Araz Nanva is a very good centre, and we know uh, all about uh, Big Lance Lima and the impact that he has. So that's a that's a very good that's a very good bench for a start. And um, yeah, so the fact that uh, Coach Craig Brennan is without a number of players who he, ideally he'd like to have in his team as they battle to be. In finals football, he still couldn't find a starting position for all of those players. Mm-hmm. So it it does say plenty. Now we are, I think you and I have a sneaking suspicion that there will be some last minute changes pending the number how many minutes the players that we're about to talk about in the New South Wales Cup get. Yes, because on Friday night. That's and right. Uh, this
1: this game takes place the day after. And uh, you know, not just with the Parramatta Eagles, but with lots of clubs, you see, you know, guys getting the sort of ten to twenty minutes in one grade and Reggie's in Reggies and being able to back up into Jersey Flag.
0: Yeah, and and just and just before we get on to the the New South Wales Cup team, that just some players for for people to uh, look out for in this um, Jersey Flag team. That look, I think the pack speaks for itself because Brock Parker. He's also spent time in New South Wales Cup this year. He is one of the most consistent forwards that you'd see. Tony Mattielli has been a revelation since switching from an edge forward to a middle forward when he's come back from New South Wales Cup into the Jersey flag. And I and I think you and I both agree that's probably going to be his future is as a middle forward because he, he provides that mobility as a middle forward. Um, so... That's going to be interesting. interesting. Nick Lenaz is 100% effort, attack, defence, no matter what position he plays. Mm-hmm. And he's filling in at, at dummy half this week. We've been used to him being in the lock position, but he's also spent quite a bit of time at dummy half. Um, Jock Brazzle has also been playing New South Wales Cup and um, has been, uh, he did a pre season. He's one who will do the pre season again um, next year. And uh, we're expecting that he'll be a fixture in New South Wales Cup next year. Max Tupu has had some great form on the edge for the team. Saxon Pryke, well, he was he got up to flag last year as a a, a really young player, and he's he's brought it again this year. He is a very good forward. He, he it's like the the. Longer the season goes, the better he gets.
1: Yes, I agree. And yeah, he he really hits his stride after getting some games under his belt and and really starts to shine.
0: Yeah, that look the halves speak for themselves in Blaze and Ethan, um, and the other Ethan spelled differently is someone that we want people to you know have a have a good look at as well because he's been a recent addition to the Eels this year. We spoke with him. He's in the para House. He's uh, He's originally a Kiwi, but comes to um, the Eels via Queensland. He spent a lot of his life moving between uh, Australia and New Zealand. So um, a lot of background in uh, rugby union, but fearless in his carries. He's not what you'd call a huge wing. He's about six foot, but he's, you know, by today's standards, it, he's not big, but doesn't he love to hit that ball up in his carries? Um and of course, uh, we've got uh, ARPA Twidel who's um, come through the S G ball this year and um, extended his contract with the Eels for another two years, wasn't
1: it? Two John? or three. I can't I can't record the specifics, but it was one of those two options.
0: Yeah, and then of course there's there's names that are familiar with the with Eels supporters, Matt Comalafi, Samuel Luizio, and uh, Will Latu who tends to Uh, who can move between center and back row. And I think Will's originally from Queensland as well. Mm -hmm. I just have it in my head that he's, um, he came to us via Queensland, but anyway, it's, um, but uh, yeah, he's one of those players that has that capacity to, uh, to play on the edge, but either as a back row or a center. So anyway, that's a bit of a run through on the, on the team there, mate. So, yeah, let's get into the New South Wales Cup team and the uh, exciting inclusions there.
1: Yeah, so obviously this one is a curtain raiser out at ComBank on Friday night. It's a 5.30pm kickoff, and it's the real reason why you should be getting there early, not so much for our show, but uh, to see the young kids running around in this grade. And uh, as we mentioned earlier, 60s, three debutants this week coming up from Jersey Flegg to go alongside another three or four players that are all Flegg and even SG ball eligible that are, are playing in that grade. So we start at fullback. Uh, with Arthur Miller-Steven in the custodial role. On the wings, Hayes Dunster returns. Good to see him back. Uh, Wonga Blake's on the other flank. In the centres, uh, Jeremiah Masia works in sort of relief, I suppose, uh, with the Eels' centre depth being tested right now. But on the other side, uh, Will's younger brother, Richard he gets his first run in senior football. Really keen to see how uh, Richie goes this week, 60s. He's looked real sharp in the jersey flag this year after looking real sharp in the SG ball. Uh, has not lost a beat since making that jump up, uh, you know, two or three years in the age group and uh, is going to now go into senior football and get his first real taste. And I think he might, depending on how he matches up, I think Robert Toyer is a pretty highly regarded Roosters prospect. So it might be a good battle out there on the edges, uh, in the heart. Yeah, and, uh,
0: and I guess something we can say about Richard Penasini is, like his brother Will, he can provide match-winning moments.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean... If you've just been catching the uh, New, South Wales, New South Wales Cup, New South Wales Rugby League highlights of the Jersey flag, you'll see uh, Richie flashing pretty much every week. Uh, you know, beating his man, creating opportunities uh, on the ground, in the air. Uh, he, he is a very good athlete in the centres. He's taller than his brother, uh, and while Will is a real you know powerhouse centre, I think uh, Richard's probably closer to the more classic, or I say classic, but in a modern sense, like the prototypical modern centre. So, yeah, he's got you know good size, good athleticism, some wheels, and the ability to uh, play in the air and on the ground. So very, very good centre prospect there. In the halves, we've got another SG Ball-eligible player in Joshua Lynn. He uh, has played, I think, two games already in uh, in Cup this year. So he gets his third game chalked up next to his name. He'll work with Jordan Rankin in the halves. Uh, moving into the front row now, Makahesi Makatoa. And Officer Ogden give the Eels two very experienced bookends in this grade. Jaden Yates is a dummy half. Jack Murchie and Dan Keir are on the edges. Kai Rodwell is a lock forward. And then it's an all, well, jersey flag, but also mostly SG Ball interchange, uh, starting with one of the other debutants, Matty Arthur. He's going to be the interchange dummy half. Charlie Gleimer gets another cap in this grade. He's uh, been up there before and looks pretty good. Jonte Jr. Beth and Meese has been an absolute fixture in the New South Wales Cup this year, despite being flag eligible. I think he's played a handful of fled games at best and has been uh, in the Cup and mostly starting. And then uh, rounding out the interchange is another young bookend in Sam Torvaiti, who we've got massive reps on. And, uh, you know, we'll we'll walk through all the players and they're all incredibly well-credentialed in terms of their uh, junior awards and uh, the rep teams they've made. But uh, I think Sam has cleaned up the uh, award pool at pretty much every level in the Parramatta pathways that he's uh, been part of.
0: Yeah, we saw him get the... Award for the junior rugby league player of the year at the uh, Parramatta Juniors, not junior reps at the Parramatta Juniors um, awards night uh, last year. I think that was in October last year when we went to that one, and uh, yeah. The, so he, he was for all of the junior football across the district. He was he uh, got the gong for that. He's got the gongs in the in the pathways football. Rep football, as well. He's a giant of a player.
1: It's big um, every time I see him. <laughs> just, yeah,
0: yeah, he's and, just an and, absolute and the, unit. And the reminder is that uh, Sam, uh, Matty Arthur, and Richard Pennacini are all eighteen this year. They're they're at the younger end of the SG ball eligible players. All of those boys. Could run around in SG ball again next year. That's the that's the thing for those for those players is that um, they're um, you know if the Eels wanted to uh, and and I, I mean I don't I, I don't know what the plans are for next year but if they wanted to they could trot them all out for the junior rep season again next year, um, which would be frightening for the players that they'd come up against. Uh, but um, yeah, so it, it's also a measure of the fact that they've uh, last year each of those boys were playing Harold Mats. So within within that year frame, they've gone from Harold Mats to uh, playing New South Wales Cup. So it's a, a fair reflection on their development as players mm-hmm. and uh, what um, what regard they're held in within the club.
1: Yes, indeed. And like you said before, there's a chance that they're on a minute's restriction, uh, depending how the game plays out and and sort of what the plan is heading into the contest for them. And they could very well back up into that jersey flag game that we were talking about earlier. But, I mean, Richie Penasini is probably not going to be on a minute's restriction. Uh, He's he's starting. So he's very exciting for Richie. Uh, He's probably going to play this one out and get a real good taste of senior football. Uh, And then, you know, for the other guys... Uh, you know, Matty Arthur and, and Sam Torvati could uh, conceivably be guys to back up. Uh, but I, I do hope they get given a, a chance to show what they can do in senior football. Uh, because we know yeah. that Buds is not going to back down. Like right? That that just isn't going to happen. He's going to be fired up for this one. And Sam has never been one to shy away from a physical challenge. You know, yeah, he, he has always been, uh, regardless of the game, regardless of the grade, when we saw him as a junior eligible Harold Matt's boy, uh, where he was physically dominant, right through to the SG Ball Grand Final this year, where he honestly took over, against a very good Newcastle pack, he took over that ruck. So really keen to see how these boys go, and that's alongside all the other young guys. You know, we saw Artie make his NRL debut and score a try against the Dragons. Uh, you know, we've got Josh Lynn, uh, you've got <clears throat> Charlie Geimer, who, we're, you know, we're very bullish on. You know, Charlie is an absolute wrecking ball on the edges with the capability of being a guy that can also play in the middle. So, you know, he's a very versatile forward, and, you know, given his background of playing centre and even eight, you know, he's a guy that is just almost like a Swiss army knife for you. Uh, and then, obviously, the big hyphen, Jonte, uh, who has been very impressive uh, for his consistency and durability as a young guy in senior football this year.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, look, I think that uh, when it comes to the, um, the likes of... Well, first of all, people... Hopefully, got a, a bit of a look at Charlie Guymer because he was playing. He was one of the best. The he was. A, he Wales. was. Yeah,
1: one of the stars. He, yeah.
0: he 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 is a he plays the game um, like he's a very physical player. It, like there's the way it's 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 defense, it's attack. Like he's carries. But I think the most
1: great line. I was about to say the most impressive part of Charlie's game is that it's both brains and brawn. You know, he he plays tough and physical, but. You can see that uh, background of playing in the halves and the ability to read the game and how he's brought that into his ability as a back rower to run very nuanced lines and you know pick apart the defense because of it.
0: He hails from uh, Tamora, mm-hmm. which is where Liam Martin is from. There's something in the water down there then, mate. Oh, I was, I was going to say, is the, from your observations, John, because I've got this in my mind as well, he seems to be reminding me more and more of Liam Martin. Yeah,
1: the, the the sheer physicality, and and again, that's probably an underrated part of Martin's game. Is for all the you know wild runs and big hits, he runs very good lines, and you know, and he's a big effort player off the ball. Another thing that Geimer shares with Martin, so that is a, a pretty solid comp, and it's not just because they're from Tamora, but uh, they they do play very similar games. And I don't know if Charlie's been modelling his game on uh, Liam Martin. You know, because a lot of young guys do sort of pick NRL guys to work on their games to be better for, uh, but there is definitely some parallels there. Yeah,
0: so we're we're very keen to see. we as you said, we're bullish to see how how these boys play in the uh, in the curtain raiser on Friday night. It's uh, I know it's not always possible for people to get out to the stadium early on a on a work day but uh if you can um well obviously if you can you would have made arrangements to get to Para Leagues to see us in Jack's Bar and Grill um and then it's uh then it's a nice little stroll across from the league's club to the stadium i think the stadium gates open at around that 5:30 mark or just before 5:30 they, they don't 30. give
1: you a lot of time I mean, to find your seat no they do. No. They do open. It's, it's not. It's not just a Combank thing. Uh, the cup has always been a case of get through your bag, check in, and uh, get out to your seat as fast as possible.
0: Yeah, you you got five, maybe ten minutes at the most to um, to get through the gates and get to your seat. So, um, yeah. So they're the they're so they are really worth your while going and and watching because I think you will see. One or two of these players make an NRL debut next year.
1: I I, I'm, I know it's a bit of a bold prediction, this far out, but I I do think you could be in the ballpark of being uh, pretty right there. Sixties,
0: yeah, I, I think that. Um, I mean, obviously, this is a that particular group of SG Ball that won the title. And and indeed, players that are coming through underneath, it's some of the strongest Pathways players that we have seen in, you know, the last decade. It is reminiscent of when the group of players came through uh, with Dylan Brown, where we saw a number of those make their way into the grades. Uh, But I think... There are potentially more NRL players in this group, in these pathways players, than what there were when um, Dylan Brown's team won the titles. Yeah, the,
1: obviously there were some complicating factors in those metrics there, but uh, yes, I, I think prospectively this is a. While I'm not sure if there's like the you know blockbuster superstar, uh, this is shaping up to be a very good class to build around. Uh, your extended roster.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, we're we're not getting ahead of ourselves in that. There isn't a um, a Cameron Munster in this, and the, in this but bro- the, there's
1: still a lot of time and development to go along that path to someone that could step up and be, you know, a real plus 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 NRL player. But yeah, I mean, I remember, you know, remember the 2017. And thereabouts, and what Dylan Brown was doing in that grade, and how much that made you think he was going to be a future—not just you know NRL player, but you know star and rep player—and that's just you know a lofty, lofty bar to meet, isn't it?
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And and the thing is, as you say, there is—I um, mean—in saying that there's there isn't someone like a Cameron Munster in this group, that that's that's not saying that there aren't even people who might go on to higher honours that are playing in the, in the group. It's just that, you know, someone like a Cameron Munster catches the attention when they're younger. Yeah. You know, um, uh, someone like uh, Reese Walsh captures the imagination of, of people when he's coming through, like they, they, they it's just like there's a huge tick that's put in their name next to their names, where people go, "Well, this person's going to be a, an absolute game changer." Now, what you have in these players, uh, like we've t- we've spoken about it many times, predicting the future of of age players, uh, young age players, is such an inexact science. Mm-hmm. And there are so many things that can interfere with the realisation of potential. Um, but we see NRL in quite a lot of these players. What happens past that? How much they develop is a story still to be told. Because when you're talking about uh, blokes that are still teenagers, there, there is a there is a lot that. Has to happen uh, for them to still reach the NRL, or or then what they become. And 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 we know that there are players who um, get even better as they get older. I mean, if like I think that Jonathan Thurston is a yeah. is an example of the heights that he got to. The, the older he got, the better he got as a player. So, um, but we're not. What we're saying is. We're not going to attach superstar labels to these players as yet. We're going to we're going to say, look, we think there's some very good NRL players in this group, and that they're a large part of the Eels' future revolves around their development into NRL players. So get out there, have a look at them, and see if you agree with with our assessment, or or you know, interestingly, after you watch them, see if you can predict who you think might be the first to make an NRL debut out of those that uh, play this week. Look, it might even be one of the players that's running around in uh, Jersey flag this week rather than the New South Wales Cup. But, you know, we're always interested in what other people uh, see in the players that we're watching as well. So, um, yeah, well worth getting there early for
1: Yes, indeed. And now we move on to the NRLW, uh, where the Parramatta Reels, who have just been luckless in this grade in terms of injuries, uh, have to regather after the loss of Elsie Albert uh, long-term. I don't think we've gotten clarity on the severity of the injury still, unless something dropped uh, late yesterday. We'll have a quick look. Um, Not that I'm aware of. So we know it's a, a reoccurrence of the calf tear, and it looks like it's a significant reoccurrence of the calf tear for Albert, so she's going to be out long-term. Wish her the best in her recovery. She looked tremendous in the 25 minutes that we got to see of her 60s, but the Eels have to go on without her. And they're taking on the Canberra Raiders in Canberra this week, 1.45 p.m. on Sunday. Uh, So you've got Friday, Saturday, Sunday, smorgasbord of Parramatta football this week. Uh, And the Canberra Raiders, I know that the Tigers put the cleaners for us in the second half of uh, round one, but I think the Raiders have probably been the most impressive expansion team thus far in 2023 60s
0: yeah is it is it necessarily a surprise when you've got someone like Samai Matalfa involved in the team um i think the i think there's a number of players might have had a previous association with their coach as well so although they're a new team that there's there's oh, some links there in chemistry got, yeah yeah you've got Ash Quinlan there in the halves should be a familiar name as well for people mm-hmm. um, yeah look I, I think they they're performing at I, I guess the optimum of where we thought their potential might be. So they maybe a little bit of a surprise packet the uh, but if you're a Raiders supporter, You'd, you'd have to be happy with the fact that of the nine games in the season that the Raiders get five games down there at GIO Stadium. The, in contrast, the yeah. Parramatta Eels get two games at home, and we're not even talking about, um, you know, like two. We're talking about two games at, at obviously at Combank Stadium, but they there's not even a a, a venue that. Is like they're, for example, they're based at Granville Park. They can't even find a way that they could play a game there at Granville Park. So they're, so that they're at least local. Uh, I don't know how that helps to build up an affinity with Eel supporters as well. If you can't play home games, to get two home games for the season out of nine, it's just. It's just not good enough, as far as I'm concerned. At least, at least give them four or five local games.
1: Yes, a chance for the fan base to actually connect, even if it's not a Combank. You know, it's somewhere remotely regional. Like uh, I don't know. It's the as we discussed prior, the Eels have done plenty, you know, wrong of their own accord. But goodness, the factors outside their control have been pretty crazy this year.
0: It felt there's elements of this which feel very similar to the NRL in that, um, you know, there was a bit of criticism about the slowness of the recruitment process prior to the season starting. And then since then, injuries have just crippled the team because you're talking about injuries to key recruits starting the season without their major recruit and half back in Rachel Pearson. Now that that puts them behind the the front foot for a start and and I think it's interesting that we saw last week their best performance of the season when Pearson and Albert come back into the team. Now, was Pearson a dominant figure out on the field for them against the uh, against the Broncos. I'd argue not.
1: No, she looked like a player that was short on sort of, you know, game time, which is exactly what oh, she yeah, was. yeah,
0: so like, like her normally reliable kicking game was all over the place. The fact that um, we had uh, Cassie Toihiku, Hiku who was making some of those kicks that were skewing off the boot, um, you know, high up in the air and, and barely going about 10 metres, she was making them into dangerous attacking kicks by chasing through and taking them on the full. So she was, she was making something out of those kicks. But for a player like Rachel Pierce, and I'm sure it's as much about their presence yep. and, and their calming effect and direction that they provide for their teammates. I, the,
1: I have little doubt, 60s. The Broncos went up two tries. If that had been rounds one to three, there was every chance the Broncos put us to the sword because we, you know, we would have panicked, got flustered, chasing points. And instead, even with Pearson not having a great game in terms of the you know technical execution of his kicks, the Eels rallied, and they just were patient and they got into the grind.
0: Yeah, and the one of the things about um, injuries as well is that injuries provide opportunity for players that you mightn't have seen as much of, and we can certainly say that what we saw of Tyler Amiatu last week said here is a player of enormous potential. And wasn't she an eye catcher in that game?
1: Yeah. Whenever you see someone in the middle with that sort of footwork and leg speed, you immediately go, hang on, there's something here. And, uh, you know, she obviously had that uh, terrific line break, but there were a number of carries uh, in that stint where she really just tested that Broncos defensive line and they didn't really have an answer for her.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I think... I think um, this week it's obviously going to be a challenge without Elsie because her carries last week made a statement. And again, uh, similar to Rachel Pearson, her presence on the field would have instilled confidence in the other players in the pack. But to now be without both her and Kennedy Cherrington. It's a, it's a really big ask for the pack and um, I mean, they're playing away from home against the Raiders. It's, it's probably going to be a game that's going to be difficult for them to win. However, what we saw last week was the type of resilience that had been missing in the first three rounds and arguably if they hadn't made some of those errors in their own uh, red zone that they were that they were making last week i mean some of the turnovers the, the pressure that they put themselves under yeah. in those turnovers now so arguably without those turnovers they were making things happen against the broncos but they were also feeding the Broncos with a mountain of, of possession in attack, which how they held them out for the periods that they did was astonishing. Uh, and you have to think, what if those errors hadn't happened? What might have been possible? So, uh, you know, and I guess we'll learn something about the team, about whether did they did they just find a way to lift last week or can they find that in themselves to lift again this week? Finals football is beyond them. They've lost the first four games. I don't think it would matter what, whether they win this game this week or not. It's it's they've made their task pretty much impossible from here on in. Um, The rest of the season is all about them, um, finding out about themselves and for the players that are off contract, whether they will be part of the Eels team going forward. Yeah. But knowing how these women just love being able to get out there and compete, every game means something to them. Every game means something to them. They, I mean, they really do value and appreciate the fact that they are playing this level of football and I just think it's disappointing that as fans we we don't get a chance to get there and support them due to what the draw looks like I mean we were complaining about the draw with the NRL you can imagine if if uh, the draw was silly enough with the NRL to pitch Parramatta away from home in you know on seven games in a in a nine game season in the NRL Like, you'd just be... People would be tearing the joint down, wouldn't they? Like, if it had happened to the NRL team if they got that sort of ratio of home games. So, um, look, I can't tip an Eels win in this grade, but I think what I will tip is that they'll give plenty of themselves again.
1: Yeah, and unsurprisingly, in light of that, uh, Dean Witters has only made changes where, you know, sort of enforced by injury. Elsie's obviously out, so in comes Madeline Jones. Uh, car Simon at lock forward. And I think, uh, and sorry, with the free spot on the bench, Nakia Davis-Walsh rejoins the team. And that, that's the extent of the changes. So the same team that really pushed Brisbane hard last week, uh, get a chance to go to the nation's capital and do exactly the same against the Raiders. Like you, 60s, it, it is very difficult to tip a win here. I think that they're just that much short on strike in the middle now. Uh, you know, no Kennedy, no Elsie. Uh, they're also missing a couple others, uh, Chantel Stowers. Um, and, you know, just when you start taking out all those players, it, it adds up. And the Eels will do very well to be uh, competitive this week. But I, I don't I don't think they're going to go down for a lack of effort. Based on what we saw last week, you know, people like uh, Rachel Pearson, like Reuben Cherrington, who was starting to come into her own as a dummy half. Um, you know, there's still a bit of fire in this team. And I think they're going to at least trade some blows with the Raiders.
0: Yeah, a couple of uh, interesting things. that, Like, you mentioned Reuben there. Well, she ended up playing as a middle forward, didn't she, when um, uh, Capri uh, came yeah. on. And um, I think we saw some similarities with Kennedy in, in how she played as a middle forward. Um, Abby Church, <laughs> credit credit to her, she put up some photos this week on her social media that were not the most flattering photos that you've seen uh, with uh, her blood splattered Abby's face.
1: a paramedic by trade, isn't she? Yeah, she she yeah. might need to get some of her mates on on call for her because I I have not seen a player cop as many just brutal shots and you know bad luck with like on field like you know patch and repair stuff as Abby did uh, or Abby has this season she's been in the wars.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, I've I have really got a high opinion on Cassie
1: Toihiku. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Cassie I, Cassie and Zali. I feel like they're, they're two sort of breakout stars in our back line just waiting uh, to really emerge.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I think that... Um, I mean, I, I don't know whether centre is going to be Cassie's position. Oh, you know, I'd like to see her in a position where she's involved even more in the play now whether that ends up being fullback um and whether there's a positional switch with her and abby church i don't know but i i just i just think that the more that she's got her hands on the footy the better the team will end up being and, mm-hmm. I, and I don't say that as a knock on abby church at all i just think the ceiling for cassie is that high? Is, is really that high. Yeah, yeah her, absolutely. Her,
1: her running battle with her funga last week was outstanding. Um, oh. You know, I know Mele ended up scoring, but that was a for big cutback run towards the posts. Uh, she she pushed her funga I think she went for like 140 on the ground, uh, looked like she was going to break on the outside of her multiple times. Uh, and on top of that, you already mentioned the 60s, but her aerial prowess was outstanding. Yeah. Yeah. So there, there, there are pieces in this team to be very excited about. And this year is going to be important in nurturing them now, moving forwards for next year and making sure that we obviously augment them with good recruitment and uh, development elsewhere.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so now we move on to the last throw of the dice. Mm. I mean, we've, we've, we've probably realistically put a line through our wheels. But technically, this is the last throw of
1: the dice. For yeah, eight, eight spot in the top eight is still technically available for both teams coming into this game. Uh, the Roosters in exactly the same spot as the Parramatta Eels. Uh, so both teams looking to stay alive with a good win. Uh, but the Eels are going to be doing a tough 60s because no Mitchell Moses, no Andrew Davey, that injury bug keeps on biting. Uh, the Again, uh, not to excuse the other facets that we've spoken about at length where the Eels have let themselves down. But, you know, seriously, the injury bug has been crazy this year. Uh, but, yeah, no Mitchell Moses, no Andrew Davy. They're taking on a City Roosters outfit that are in 11th, Parramatta 10th, 8 o'clock p.m. kickoff out at Combank. is obviously the main event. Uh, the Roosters line up with uh, Tedesco at fullback. you got Tupo and uh, Swalii on the wings. Billy Smith and Joseph Manu are in the centres. Luke Keery and Drew Hutchinson, the versatile Drew Hutchinson in the halves. Uh, Jared Weir-Hargraves and Lindsey Collins uh, are on the either shoulder of Brandon Smith and what is on paper an all-star front row. Uh, Obviously, uh, Collins has had a fantastic year, but Brandon Smith has probably not lived up to the expectations of the tricolors. Watch him have a big game after saying that. Uh, But on the uh, edges, you've got uh, young kids Sua Wong and Nat Butcher. Victor Radley is at lock forward. On the interchange, Smith, Baker, May and Crichton. Angus makes a return. Uh, Was he injured? He might, have, he might have been nicked up. He's back this week on the interchange. Extended roster, Sam Walker, Napa, Owen, uh, Power, and Nathan Brown, who was suspended last week for a high shot. So not going to return against his former club. Uh, and for the Eel 60s, uh, a couple of changes. Obviously, given that we mentioned that Moses and Davey are out. Uh, as always, though, at fullback, Captain Quinton Gufferson on the wings. Returning from a four-game suspension of his own is Mike Asivo. Very keen to see what his addition to this back line can do, 60s. Can it finally uh, sort of uh, shore things up or are there still underlying issues on that edge? He'll be working with Bailey Simonson on the left side. Uh, on the right side, Will Pennicini and Sean Russell. Dejan Arce goes to 5'8 after playing center last week. Dylan Brown dons the number seven and all the playmaking responsibilities that come with it. In the front row, another man returning from a four-week holiday is Reagan Campbell-Guard. He'll work with Junior Barlow and Joey Lasic as the front row. Jermaine Hopgood moves from lock forward to the left edge, presumably. Um, Bryce Bryce Cartwright's got the twelve on his back instead of the eleven this week, but I went back and checked, and Bryce has had the eleven on his back week in most games where Sean Lane wasn't playing, and then the twelve on his back on games where Sean Lane was playing. So I don't know what's going on there. So I think Hopgood will be on the left, Cartwright on the right, and uh, Joe he at lock forward as the eels get real big uh, through the middle this week obviously Reg, Junior, and now Joe, as part of that trio of middles. Luca Moretti, Ryan Madison, Wadamu Greg, and Brendan Hands are on the interchange. Uh, Maka, Bike, Ogden, Rodwell, and Murchie, the interchange. I didn't even look at the officials on Team West Tuesday, but uh, it's actually client. Um, and then uh, you got Ultram and Sutton on the sidelines. Grant Atkins in the box. That is a, a pretty brutal lineup <laughs> for the Paramount
0: Reels. <laughs> It is the dream team looking after officiating. So, um, quick question for you, mate. This, you know, I, I, as per usual, I think we're seeing the Roosters as close to full strength as they're likely to be this season, because I think the main outs that they've got, uh, Tupanua and, uh, Connor Watson from what I can, from um, what I can see, um, is uh, and what is it, Egan Egan Butcher. Butcher?
1: And I suppose you could argue Sam Walker on form, you know, sort of forcing their hand in the halves. But yeah, uh, given but, given how they've been tracking this year, it's uh, pretty pretty kind of them, isn't it? To come into this game in both uh, relative fitness and also a bit of form after winning their last two,
0: yeah. So it's um I mean, we come to expect this this sort of um, luck of the draw. As, as it seems with our eels. but you know we still we still look at the at the season as being that perfect storm of uh, not controlling things that we could and then having plenty as well that uh, were out of our control that sort of seemed to fall against us. It, it has been the horror year in terms of how things could play out. Um the most disappointing part, of course, being that we were in a point in the season where the Eels' fate was completely within their own hands and we've seen games where, uh, and I didn't expect to be saying that this season, we didn't turn up. And that's, and unfortunately, that's how it's been with um, some of these games in the back end of the season. And um, last week, we saw 20 minutes of effort, and there was no sugarcoating that. We saw 20 minutes of effort. And, yeah, it was what happened with Mitch Moses was tough, um, but he was on the field for that entire first half, albeit injured,
1: right? But there were but issues the all across park. the park that he was not going to fix.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's right. What I was going to say is he was busting his ass out there and there were some out there that arguably weren't and we saw a real lack of effort plays and everyone knows that effort plays are everything you know whether it be that you you someone looks like they're making a they they could make a break you you get yourself over there and you you know you whether it be that you get an ankle tap on or you just, you stay in the play as long as you can. In every area, you stay in the play. And, you know, we saw p- players dropping out of chases. We saw players who were slow in getting back into position. Um, there were times when the defence looked ponderous. I, I mean, it all screamed of play, of a team that had lost energy and a team that had, uh, or, or maybe lost that, drive and willpower to push themselves beyond an exhaustion point. The, the sort of thing that, well, I think the, the greatest parallel I can draw is if we hearken back to that qualifying final last year against the Cowboys, when we saw how deep the team was able to dig, to stay in the contest and finish over the top of the Cowboys. We saw the antithesis of that against the Broncos, that as soon as um, there were challenges that were presented in the game, and you know, be that from a couple of early calls that went against them, but as soon as there were challenges that were faced, that the resilience was negligible. And we can't afford to see that this week because you know what? there will be some tough times in this game. They're playing, we're playing without Mitch Moses. So we don't have his kicking game. There is no one in the team who can replicate Mitch Moses kicking game. There is no one in the team who can replicate what he does at halfback. His threat's either running the football or organising the team. It just doesn't, you know, for a start, Dylan Brown is not the same type of player. He he poses different threats to an to an opponent, and uh, Dejan has limited NRL experience, so we can't expect him to be Mitch Moses coming in to the team. So we're going to have the challenge this week. What sort of resilience have we got in us? Um, I guess we'll find that out on Friday night.
1: That's what we spoke about with Clinton, wasn't it? Uh, after what I wrote in Team was Tuesday, I think, uh, you know, one way or the other, there's a fair bit to learn about the team now in this yeah. game. You know, no Mitchell Moses, chips it down, but you do have some reinforcements back this week. You know, there is reason to believe we can be competitive in the middle. There's a reason to believe that maybe our left edge might be far less patchwork this week. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's tough. I mean, it's a tough season. It's been a tough last, what, four, five, sort of, uh, maybe even six weeks. And they've just got to grit their teeth and get through it because their season is still alive. You know, regardless of whether we think that it might be, uh, you know, plug has being pulled sort of territory, mathematically they're still alive. I and mean, if you're still alive, you got everything to play for. And beyond yeah. that, beyond that, even if the season isn't alive, you know, the, it's not about pride in the jersey uh, for themselves because they, they would still see themselves as premiership contenders next year. Even if we, you know, again, even if we have, as a dissenting opinion for, as a fan base, think that they're short a piece or two, those players w- would say, no, we got to the grand final last year. We, uh, you know, had bad luck this year. Didn't do everything on the field that we could have done uh, to, to add to that. We can get back there next year. if you're gonna, If you have that opinion of your team, and of yourselves and of your teammates, and you've got to step up and deliver this week. You
0: know? uh, absolutely, because you know what—if they've just given up on the season, that doesn't reflect well on the um, on their mental strength, no. does it? No. I mean, you know, like if you if you if you're going in with a negative mindset, and that was my concern last week after the match was that they had a negative mindset, and it had been my concern over a couple of recent matches. Yeah,
1: the Melbourne game was definitely one that you spoke to me about.
0: Yeah, yeah. And you know, if if they're going out there and thinking, oh, you know, we just need a bit of luck to go our way, and, you know, no, you
1: can't. You're I halfway mean, beaten already, uh, exactly.
0: Yeah, like, supporters, we might think that way. Oh, you know, if we only had a bit of luck go our way, or what have you. But they they have to be the ones that are going out there and making things happen. They can't be the ones that go out there and things happen to them. And there's a distinction there. Yep. Right. Yep. If you if you go out there and, and you think things happen to you in a game, then you've got a victim mentality as soon as you're going out there. If you go out there and your whole thought process is, is about fulfilling your role out on the field and making things happen, doing everything that you can within your role to make things happen and I'm not talking about stepping out of the out of the team processes and systems I'm talking about maximizing what you do in your role out there if they're going out there and they have got that mindset and they they have the belief that if they stick to the game plan that if they do everything in their power that they and that they trust the player next to them as well that things will happen not that things will happen to them, that things will happen, they can force things to happen, then they're a long way towards getting the, the result that they want. I fear, my fear is that maybe that's not in them right now. That's my greatest concern. So let's look at the team. Where's it going to happen? Obviously, I'm looking at that and I'm going, well, it has to happen with the forwards. Now, that's that's a that to me is the... That falls into Parramatta 101, doesn't it? That it begins with the forwards. And there can be no excuses for the forwards this week.
1: No, Reg is back and he's fresh.
0: They can take on that Rooster's pack, right? They've got to make things. They've got to set that platform that the attack can happen. Now, I mean, we've got both Reg and Junior there. We can't ask for more in the in the front row. Uh, they've got um Gowie, the other middle at lock which then puts that versatility and ball playing of Jermaine Hopgood and and, and the mobility as well of Jermaine Hopgood on the edge alongside a, a similarly gifted player in Bryce Cartwright. So they they've got that creativity potential on an edge now, right? And we need to take that power through the center. And I know Junior's got that creativity as well, but we want his power game this week, don't we? Like that's what I, that's what I want. And, and him.
1: we say it all the time with Junior, the power breeds the creativity. Like if, yep. if he is taking names and cracking skulls and knocking guys over in the middle, then the ball playing becomes that much more lethal. If he, if he's, First thought is, you know, being lateral, whether it's running or or passing and distributing the ball, the defense keys in on that and they feed off it.
0: Yeah, yeah. And look, Reg is a huge in. I can't emphasize to people, in all honesty, I have to say to people, if you're just watching Reg on the television, if you've never seen Reg close up, you've got no idea just how big he is. He is a massive unit. Yeah, like people accept that someone like Wiramu Greg is a big player. I can tell you, Reg standing next to Wiramu, there isn't there isn't too much difference in size between the two of them. In fact, it might even be interesting if they were to hop on the scales one after the other to to see how it clocks in, because I reckon it'd be a close run contest. He's literally almost as tall as uh, Wiramu. So you've got Maddo coming off the bench into into the middle rotation. You've got Wiramu Greg into the middle rotation. So you're bringing in two big units as well that are able to be part of that. The, the Eels should be playing that power game this week. This is the game to do that. Now, the back line, I think it's fairly obvious that the roosters have got some major threats there yeah yeah you know Sual, Joseph Manu uh, James Tedesco they they're I mean it goes without saying you're, you're talking about uh, players that are on Bitcoin for a reason and in contrast we've lost one of our Bitcoin players in uh, Mitchell Moses. So I think we have to do everything in our power to create havoc in the Roosters' defensive line to have them marching backwards because we're not going to have the big, long kick of Mitch Moses. So straight away, we can't can't afford to be getting to our kick on a 35 or 40-metre line. We have to be up at halfway or beyond wherever possible. We can't afford cheap turnovers. You know, the we can't afford incomplete sets. Nope. This this has to be everyone with their heads switched on. And you know, there's. I I don't think there's too much more to say about that. Like I, I've watched training this week. I, there is, you know, there's. I I don't. I mean, I don't talk about what I what I witness at training or anything like that. I just think, even if I hadn't been watching training, I'd be saying the same thing. It has to be won through the forwards. So um, whatever happens outside of that, um, look, I guess I'm looking for someone like Sebo as well to finally bring something and carries from the back. Yeah, well, that,
1: that's the other part of that that ruck equation is. Um, if you want to be getting into an advantageous position to attack and, and even just kick the ball uh well, you're back for you have to contribute. Uh yeah. and we we need I mean Sean Russell always puts his body on the line, but we need Siva to really step up in that regard. But the with Micah, I feel like it's not necessarily about working harder, it's about working smarter. Like I, I think this year the effort's actually been there on the ruck returns, but he always picks out like players to run it rather than spaces. And
0: yeah, I think he's using, here's my thought on that, John, is I think he's trying to use the top half of his body yeah. in those collisions when he needs to be thumping his legs, like pumping those legs and and looking for um, not running over the top of someone who's right in front of them, but but... Making them work harder in the tackle, as you said, like being a bit smarter. But see, when he's using that top half of his body, he's already in a falling motion. Yep. Right. He's, he's trying to crash through. But even if he got, even if he got through, you have to think he's half, he's half a chance of falling over anyway, because he's that momentum is, it's heading towards the ground. It almost seems it, it's like, um, there's a collision that's going to happen, but it's not necessarily going to be to his advantage. And I guess that's what you're saying, and he needs to be smarter with it. Um,
1: I mean, if you watch... And- I, know, I know that they're not anywhere near the same player uh, in terms of their build and, and the way they run the ball. But if you watch Brian To'o, who's you know renowned as one of the most physical wingers in terms of rucking it out, he does a fantastic job getting outside of the primary tackle zone, like where you can engage with your shoulder and drive as a defender and getting into where it's arm-grab territory. And that's why he's yeah. able to, you know, alongside his incredible leg speed, is why he's able to consistently push the pile forwards. Yes. Yep.
0: Now, the thing is, I have seen Micah do that at training. It's just, it seems to be that out there in the game, it, it just, it, it's a rarity. And, you know, when he first hit first grade with us, he'd do that. I mean, that was one of the big, advantages that we had in in 2019 that we brought him and uh, Blake Ferguson in the team we were started to get some meters from the backfield yeah and it's disappeared and as I said to you uh, and I think I think between us we've we've sort of said what we think that issue is is that it's it's not a matter of the collision isn't happening it's a matter of it's not a smart collision yeah it's not a it's it's not it's making things easier for the defender uh, because they're able to hit him like, you know, a couple of them um, getting a a good shot on him because he's running directly at two people rather than trying to find, as you said, that arm grab territory. So, um, yeah, I guess now we're at the point where we make our predictions.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Let's get into it. And look, I, I do want to lay it out on the table that I think this is very much a game that the Roosters can and, Maybe even maybe even a, a favourites to win. Um, I am going to tip the Parramatta Reels for a victory. You know, I'll, I'll get to the margin shortly, but uh, you know, I, I'm almost stealing my heart knowing that you know reality is the Roosters might run away with this one, especially if they can get those uh, damaging outside backs into some uh, attacking position 60s. But I will go for a Parramatta Reels win and a tight uh, a tight one, or well, tight-ish one, maybe like uh, a 26 to eighteen. Um and yeah, I say that again, knowing that the Roosters could very well win this one and win well.
0: I'm going to predict uh that the combined score is gonna be well north of fifty.
1: Ooh. I mean right. I mean one way or the other it's been true for the heels recently, so
0: Yeah. Um I I was I was close to tipping um 60 plus last week for the um, for the, the tip instead I went for uh, a try double to um, Katoni Stags last week and I think he was about the only one just about team. the only one not <laughs> to take me <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I, I was thinking that there was going to be a lot of tries scored last week but yeah I, I was close to tipping 60 plus and it was paying odds of about $5.70 or something like that and um, uh, but this week, I, I, I believe it will comfortably be 50-plus as a total score. Now, whether that is something like a a 30-28 to 28 victory for the Eels is what I'd like to think it might be. Uh, I think it's going to be like a two or four-point game if the Eels win it. My fear is the Roosters putting on a big score. Um, but I'm going to... As an Eels supporter, I think if they go out there with the positive mindset that I spoke about, that they can get it done. I don't think there's going to be any way of stopping points being scored in this game. I honestly don't. Like, just not the way that we're defending at the moment. It's just a matter of whether we have that positivity to make things happen ourselves.
1: Yeah, the aggression and the strike to keep the scoreboard ticking over in our favour.
0: Yep. So I'll I'll go for the Eels to win thirty to twenty eight, but I've got in there that proviso that um, I, I believe the Roosters will get a total, um, and it's whether we can compete with that total that's the, that's the proviso.
1: Uh, in terms of the try scorers, I actually have a not necessarily FTS, but more I will go FTS as well for this, but. It's more in the veins of any time, but I'm going for the Penicini brothers to both bag tries on our Friday evening. And I'll, I'll back them in both for the first try just for the absurdity of it happening. Uh, but yeah, I'll go for the Penicini boys.
0: Jim, would be good if you can get a market on that, mate. Um, <laughs> <laughs> look, uh, first try scorer, I'll go Dylan Brown in this. I think he's, I think he's got to step up. And I think we'll see something around the edge that might be created uh, around either uh, Jermaine Hopgood or Bryce Cartwright, where Dylan Brown's involved and he's the beneficiary in terms of uh, being first try scorer. Um, best on field. It's
1: got to be Dylan, gonna, right?
0: <laughs> uh, well, yes, but I, I'm going to go Jermaine Hopgood. I like so that. I think I think there's I think there's something I think there's something there in that, so um yeah.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna go Dylan Brown. I know that I sort of advise against picking in the spine for these sort of things because it's so obvious, but you know, this is a game where the obvious might need to be, you know, what happens. So and you know, going back to what Dylan owes this team and this club and the fan base, uh, if we are to keep that incredibly slim finals hope alive and also Kindle, you know, some legitimate spark for next year. I think mean, Dylan needs to be at the heart of it on Friday night. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Well, mate, where um, this could very well be the penultimate um, full preview for for us. Mm-hmm. Um, we we will of course have other uh, preview matches. Uh, for, well, next week being of course the the last of the regular round, and if the eels. Um, haven't qualified, then they're the first team to finish for the season. Yeah,
1: thanks to the, the stupidity, stupidity of the uh, odd uh, buy. Well, it has to work that way, but the odd team buy system. Um,
0: yeah, and yeah. and and then it becomes the buy becomes the most useless yeah. buy of the season. I so, I,
1: I know, wasn't big on the round twenty seven buy when it was announced, and I know that you know people sort of point to Penrith and how it, their pseudo buy helped them last year, but you, you uh, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. You, you have to actually be in the position to take advantage of it. And we could have done with a buy at some other time Yeah, if you would have been a lot. You know, as it, as I said, as it turns out now, it'll it'll more than likely just grant the players an early holiday. Yep. And um, you know, oh, what can you say? Um, but of course, we will we will continue the previews as long as there are Parramatta teams that are. Uh, engaging in the competition, which obviously means the NRLW and hopefully also means the FLEG team. So once more, as we wrap up, mate, our thanks to our sponsors, Big Swing Golf at North Mead, and, of course, um, Star Partners Real Estate, Auburn, Norella and Parramatta, because, as we always say, if they weren't there supporting us, the Cumberland Throw wouldn't exist as it does. And that's just mm. straight out how it is. Um, also, our thanks to Parramatta Leagues Club, who will uh, provide us with our venue for the pre match podcast, which, as I mentioned before, is going to feature Steve Ella. Parramatta Leagues Club's the home of the Eels, and you can come in and join us pre game uh, for a drink, grab a meal, engage in the footy talk that we've got there. After, after you've had a listen to us, you can get a photo, a chat with Steve Eller. He is an absolute champion bloke. Uh, he was a champion player. He's, an even, as I said, an even more champion bloke. So we look forward to seeing you there. And uh, thank you for listening. John, thank you again for your fine work. And as I always say, go you Mighty Eels.